Hey guys, where we got started today, wanted to remind you that the Meaning Time Show featuring Lenny is fueled by Gatorade. Gatorade's proven formula, whatever path you take, greatness starts with G. Also, don't forget to check out Swagoo and Perk with former defensive lineman Marcus Spears, not Swagoo, and former NBA center Kendrick Perkins. Every Tuesday, they chop it up about all things football, basketball, culture. Listen wherever you get your pods. Back to the Minicom Show featuring Lenny, the only NFL podcast where one of the hosts thinks being a journeyman vet just means you've been his doctor for a decade. That's Lenny. I'm Mina Kimes. And I am joined today by, he's not a journeyman vet. Um, you definitely aren't old enough to be classified as such, although maybe you are licensed to treat pets. So it really depends on your interpretation of that phrase. Uh, Ollie Connolly, welcome back to the show. Thank you for having me. Um, this is your second time, and I want to remind people who, well, I just remind them regardless of whether they remember your first time, uh, that Ollie has an excellent, excellent newsletter called The Read Optional. You can get it on Substack. Um, you lately, let's see, you talked about the Eagles offense. We all had kind of poorly timed commentary on the Eagles <laughs> offense. Um, so that, I fell you on that one, though. The Patriots defense, really like that. Uh, the Titans, whether they're for real. I, 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 you cover like a really wide variety of teams and topics. So I feel like my listeners will appreciate that. I hope so. That's the plan. Um, Ollie, so we're going into week 13. And I was going to send you a list of games. And, and then I realized I wanted to take this point in the season to assess awards because I think it there's still some stuff that can change and we're going to talk about that shortly but I think being you know approximately 75 percent I don't even know what the new schedule what numbers mean anymore being almost in the home stretch um, we have like a good sense of like who the front runners are whether anything's sewn up and who should win who will win that sort of thing and it also allows us to talk about a lot of different teams uh, I also so I chose some awards. I sent them to you. I also threw in some, a few, like two made-up awards that are just things I want to talk about. Um, but we're this show is not like the Oscars. We are not going to wait, make you wait until the end to hear us talk about MVP. We are going to start with the big one, um, and then we're going to talk about offensive player of the year right after because those things are kind of connected, right? Um, yep. It, but this year's weird because so <sighs> MVP is a quarterback award largely. But it's funny, like if you and I had this conversation, I don't know, week four, week eight, I feel like would have been pretty obvious. And like systematically, the quarterbacks have kind of been eliminating themselves one by one. Um, and then you got someone like Aaron Rodgers, who I think is a front runner. We'll talk about that, who eliminated himself week one, but then came storming back <laughs> while other people, it really like timing and narrative all like if Aaron Rodgers had had, you know, if like the Saints game, for example, it happened, I don't know, in week 10 this would feel totally different right now. Um, but it didn't. And I, I do want to talk to you about like whether there are non-quarterbacks you believe should be under consideration, but I think we should start under the premise of quarterback because that is like the world we live in. It can be the world we change. That is why this podcast exists. Um, and I'm, I'm just going to read you in order the QBR leaders right now. Okay. Justin Herbert. No. Matt Stafford. So Matt Stafford leads and leads still leads in a number of statistical wow. categories, but yeah, I know. But I feel like that's kind of out 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 the window. Aaron Rodgers, who as I said, I think is probably the front runner. Tom Brady, who I believe is still in the mix. 
And then Kyler Murray, who's a fascinating case because would be the favorite if not for missing three games. Uh, I think you can tell me if you disagree. Um, Right now, offensively passing EPA per play, Cardinals are still number one. And then you got the Rams, Bucks, Cowboys, and Packers. So starting from that point, like, do you think, do you agree with me that it kind of goes Rodgers, Brady, Murray, but that the Murray people are probably the injury things probably going to hit. Yeah, I think you could throw them up and they could come down in any order. I don't think one is necessarily ahead those of the three. other. The Murray things, yeah, those three for sure. Right. Maybe you could chuck Josh Allen in if you wanted to, more so because he's got these two games against Belichick, which really tips mm. the scales in his favor. If he plays well he plays in well, both yeah. those big games, then all of a sudden it's like, oh, why would we coronate the next guy up? Um, the Murray one's fascinating because it. He's going to wind up missing, I think it's 17% of the season if he plays all the remaining games. And then you're in the situation of, do you want to give it to a guy who scorched the earth for 14 games and the team was still good without him? Or we give it to someone we all agree was just kind of good to okay-ish because that makes us feel better because they played all the games. It's a really strange one. I mean, you mentioned those EPA numbers there. The top, none of these guys this year by EPA would be in the top five for like the last five years. Just the the level across the board has gone down. So we are really trying to nitpick between guys we're not that quite sure on. There just isn't a runaway leader in any in any sense beyond what, what Kyler did early in the season. So then it just becomes purely narrative, I think, which is either most wins, and we just default to that, or mm-hmm. Brady, old guy still got it, all that kind of stuff. And when we get wrapped up in, you know, his documentary series and all of a sudden they're winning loads of games i think really it, that he probably had to come storming out of the bye i think if the, he'd come out of the bye and they just wrecked shop for the rest of the season maybe that would have gathered more momentum but i'm not sure it's so close like you said they've all kind of just been flat <laughs> like yeah. it's, we're just kind of gonna get a guy by default it kind of sucks because it would be nice to have a season where that happened where you could immediately go to, well, the Rams are mauling people. Let's give it to Aaron Donald. Let's really build a campaign for someone else. But all the top defensive players, Miles Garrett, TJ Watt, uh, Max Crosby, there's not really a guy to get behind where you could say, Let, let's roll with one of these fun outside-the-box picks then because those mm. teams are all pretty average to bad too. So if I'm hearing you right, Cordero MVP lives the dream. Um We'll get to offensive player of the year. Uh, yeah, I think you're right. That's a really good point. Like if it was like a crazy Aaron Donald year, I think this would be the year that all of us could rally behind an, a, a dark horse write-in candidate, right? Um, like Aaron Donald, you could be our Jill Stein. Oh, that's too 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 recent. Um, <laughs> Ross Perot. He could be our Ross Perot. Uh, shake things up. But um, there is no one. And we're going to talk about offensive player of the year and defensive player of the year. But I don't think that you're right. Like, there's just not a dominant uh, candidate from those groups. Although the offensive players of the year, I think, are super fun. But um, quarterback-wise. I think we're going to get hit. I think we're going to get hit with a ton of these. Can you believe Brady is doing this at 45 well, stars? So, which has kind okay. of just gone away because we've all accepted it. But yeah. I think that's coming. Let's talk about Brady, and then we can bring up, we're going to do the Rodgers and, and Murray kind of side of it. Um, so Brady, like, it's kind of a game where he, like, did play super well. I thought the Bucks' offense was really impressive in this game, and I really liked what we saw from them. But, like, Brady had a tough first half. Um, and then, but the rest of the season, so he's got the Falcons, which is obviously tasty on Sunday, but and, the, and then the Bills, who are challenging. But then he's got the Saints, who had given him trouble, and then the Panthers twice. So... I, I hear what you're saying from like a narrative perspective, but schedule wise, it's not ideal for Brady. I think like 
he doesn't have, you know, he doesn't have the Jets as well. I, I skipped the Jets, but it's not like a total cupcake schedule where he can really seal the deal. Yeah, yeah. And I think, you know, Tom Brady's he's played well. I mean, you know, I mentioned the QBR numbers. He's 13th in yards per attempt. The offense has been encountering a lot of those two high shells at every offenses. And I think the Bucks are better at taking advantage of those than other offenses, which we can talk about. But I think, you know, what it like what it results is in is like we don't have these like that these dazzling Brady performances necessarily. Um, but honestly, like it, Rogers, it is really just been all about efficient quarterback play this year. Like he basically every Rogers game now is just like super efficient and he'll have two or three bonkers alien Aaron Rodgers throws, right? Like I went back and looked at the, um, the Cardinals Packers game, just thinking about, okay, well, if let's say Murray comes back and lights the world on fire and we're debating between those two and, and Rogers only had one throw over 10 yards in that game, the Packers Cardinals game. And then Murray, you know, that was the one that ended with the Russell Douglas interception. So it really, like they're pretty similar candidacies from the two wily old vets. Yeah. I think for Brady gets less of a demerit for being boring. Um, it's almost like baked into the pie that we just expect crazy efficiency from him, even though he's become way more of a guy who pushes the ball down the field, certainly as the seasons progress. I know right now he's taking all this underneath stuff, but I think as we get through what is going to be the Falcons, Bill Saints, I think he'll start pushing the ball more down the field. If anything, that schedule is kind of kind in terms of just pure MVP candidacy. It's tough in terms of winning games, which would definitely help. But if he yeah. plays well against those good teams, I think things start to coalesce around him as Let's do it one more time. I mean, we are almost setting up here for a Brady Belichick MVP coach of the year in the in the mm. year 2021. The we'll 45 year old guy. I mean, we'll, we'll get to coach of the year. Yeah. We'll get there. So you think Brady uh, yeah, is I, more likely than Rodgers, it sounds like. So the, the Packers, I'll, I'll just read this. I just think there's also the off the field stuff of Aaron Rodgers. And I don't know how that factors in. He seemed to say at the time, like, I don't think it will. Me, I, guess. I don't and think I know it will. He's kind of joking. You don't think I, that's yeah, going to hold? I, I don't. I honestly don't. So the Packers, I mean, literally, like, we, our memories are, like, the size of, uh, you know, just ant-sized brains in football. Also, like, I think it is a football, but, you know, it's not. I just don't think it will. I'll just say that. Um, so the Packers have Bears, Ravens, Browns, Vikings, and then Lions. See, I think his schedule is way more favorable to set him up. Um, I also think, so Murray, it's funny, like it was great for the Cardinals that they won those two of those three games, but I think it hurt Murray's MVP candidacy, even though it probably shouldn't have. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's a value award, so it shows you don't necessarily need to be there. I mean, I think with Hopkins coming back, there's a chance here for just seven mind blowing plays the rest of the way. And we all just decide, let's just do that one. Because, as you mentioned at the top, the, the MVP is so much a narrative award now. And there's just something doesn't feel right about Rodgers and Brady as well if they have played. And as I said, the talent level in terms of just quarterback play writ large has kind of dropped across the board. It, those guys are too good for them to have just been just good enough to get the yeah. award. Whereas with Kyler, it kind of tracks with the award has become almost this, where are we at in the evolution of the league? And are you the guy who's allowed into the club as you're a legit quarterback who everyone agrees is good? And you kind of track with that trend with obviously Mahomes, Lamar, uh, Rogers with the the old guy still got it. You always got to throw one of those in every three or four years. And then it going on to, to being Kyler Murray. I think that feels more fitting. So 
I completely understand what you're saying there. I do think that if Hopkins comes back and they can have just seriously eight crazy plays, I honestly think that would be enough for him because it just remind refresh everyone about how electric it was early in the year. The year that so the last time Brady won was 2017, right? It was um mm-hmm. and that was the – am I completely misremembering? Was that the area that he had the suspension or no? I can't remember. It was certainly post the flight gate. Yeah. I, I guess what I'm wondering is – and um, maybe you can furiously Google that faster than I while I um, monologue a little bit. But no, no I, I guess I'm just wondering with, with Murray, it's like, okay, you know, three games, assuming he plays out the rest and assuming those – dazzling things happen which totally like he he has been the most electrifying certainly of the candidates and has the potential you're right to I think like put together like a few of those moments I I I think it's I'm curious to see what voters will tolerate in terms of like how much of the schedule do you actually have to play um not something that you know it's often not like an issue when it comes to MVP and and certainly Arizona is likely to finish i mean the packers and them it's going to come down to i feel like a photo finish for like who has the best record but i think that he he definitely checks off the best player on the best team qualifier as of course the other two guys do as well yeah and there's a fun factor too if there was another freight train who was having you know josh allen was just steamrolling through people um it would be obviously a different matter it's just everything else is just a little bit like just good enough as i said so i I think he's going to be given a pass on that basis. That it's not, you know, Rogers missed our week, so now you're getting down to between two games. Why did Brady doesn't play the last game of the season? What is the difference between the two to the three? Um, we get into real NBA territory then of counting mm-hmm. logging minutes and snaps and all that stuff, um, which no one wants to be in. Um, I think if we get to week 17, no one's being that dazzling, to use your word. So I'd say let's just give it to the guy who's been the most fun to watch at that point. <laughs> That's Kylo. The suspension, by the way, was a couple years of looks like Stancic. Yeah. This season after the suspension. Um, okay. Yeah, I agree. Um, okay. So, you know, I, I mentioned offensive player of the year and how like, it's weird. Cause it's you know, like, it's like, okay, well, who's the best non quarterback basically, because technically like you could choose a quarterback, whatever. Um, I, so right now the betting odds have Cooper cup, Jonathan Taylor, Debo, Samuel and Devonte Adams. I feel like the betting odds are right in this case. And then in the next tier, you got Connor, Mike, James Connor, Mike Evans, Justin Jefferson, Joe Mixon. Again, Cordero, Dad Patterson, disrespect is disgusting. But um, I feel like this is like where it's like MVP is like a, we're kind of, it's like this droll, like, oh, who do we have to give it to? I think all three, I'm going to say, I'm going to put Devontae Adams in a tier below. You can tell me if you disagree. I feel like Cooper Cup, Jonathan Taylor, Debo, like that's such a fun group, and you could really choose any of them, and I would be okay with it. Um, right now, ranked in scrimmage yards, it's Jonathan Taylor, then Cooper Cup, then Debo. Scrimmage yards as a percent of team production, it goes Taylor, Debo, Najee Harris, uh, DeAndre Swift, then Cooper Cup. Cooper Cup leads the NFL in target share, but Devontae Adams is like 0.01% behind him. Uh, so like it really, the I, like all three of those players are like maybe the most fun players to watch in the NFL right now. Well, just Adams as well. And I feel like there's really no wrong choice. 
No, I of those guys, something about Cup for me just just fits better. He That's was so mine. good at the start of the season. That's, they used okay, him in yeah. such interesting ways. Um, I, I'm going to have to put a nerd cap on for a second and, and say Trent Williams probably should win this award. What he's doing is so beyond bonkers at the moment. It's just, yeah, it's mind blowing how oh, much good. better he is than everyone else. A position where everyone else is also very good this season. Um, he, he's he's just so special. I wish we could. They really should have a Joe Moore type award for the line where we could just rip that out and have have a separate thing. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, of those guys, I think I think Cup. I mean, Samuel has the, this injury thing. I guess we'll see about um, yeah. Jonathan Taylor, who I think is just an unbelievable player and has that special ability to kind of gather pace while he's climbing through the line of scrimmage, which is how you, you separate from being one of the good ones, one of the great ones. I still think a whole bunch of that is line and scheme. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and so I, I'd, I'd favor. So the thing with the way Adams has been used has been really interesting. The thing with cup is they do things with cup because he can do those things. If that makes any sense. Whereas Adams is going to really good spots to get him free access. Cause they know he's the best player on the field and there's all kinds of specific attention being set to him. Whereas the Rams run specific things only because they have Cooper Cup. Him being in the backfield, for one, the, the, the level of condensed formations they can run, it's still now, even though they're super spread these days, they use him as a tight as a pseudo tight end. And <laughs> At one point, they had two of them. That's what made them so yeah. special. But there's just there's no one else you can do that with. I know Samuel goes into the backfield as a running back. It's a similar kind of trade-off. I just, what Cup gives you in terms of how you can shape up personnel-wise is, is unlike many other guys in the league. I also weirdly think the Rams' recent struggles only highlight Cup's value more. Um, I was having a conversation with a colleague about uh, the loss of Robert Woods, and there was a play where they they sent – it was Van Jefferson, not OBJ, in motion and tried to basically have him do Robert Woods stuff, and it just didn't work or and it didn't look right. And so I was talking to my colleague about, like, you know, well, who can do – who can kind of fill that role – and he was like, well, you know, Cooper Cup does all that. And I was like, yeah, but he's also their best wide receiver now. And like, he can't be both things simultaneously. You know what I mean? Like, it, it's um, remarkable how versatile he is. Like, not only is not, I'm not saying he can do what Debo does. And I do want to take a moment to talk about Debo because he isn't the kind of runner he is. But the fact that he's so, such a good blocker and such a good move piece for them, but then also such a sick route runner. Like it is, and so reliable. It is just remarkable to me how good he is and how important he is to that offense. Yeah, they are able to play when there's the two of them on the field, Woods and him, with two tight end sets that haven't put a tight end on the field. Yes. There's just nothing else like it. In the league, all those things people talk about about getting two tight ends on the field and all the benefits of that they do that with those guys. Those guys block at the point and people pull and you know orbit around them and all that stuff. And then they're the two best route runners in the league as well. It's 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 that special. And it's all this deep, super weird option stuff where it's just go find grass down there. It's not you know predefined things where it's Chad Ocho Cinco and he's got the best feet in the league. It's all you just go figure it out down there, find space, and you have to read it at the exact same speed and timing as the guy in the backfield. It's it's pretty remarkable. Um, Debo, you alluded to he has like I think it's like hamstring, right? So they were saying one to two weeks. I think that'll hurt him a little bit just as this kind of heats up again, narratives and all that. And I also think the fact that it took them a while, I don't know why, in some ways. Um, I don't know. The Niners offense for like the first 
part of the season confuses me in retrospect. But if, you know, what he's done as a rusher over the last three or four games is so incredible. And I think if that had been the case over the entire season, um, he, I would probably give him the edge over Cobb just because it's so like spectacularly unique and it's like watching a unicorn, you know, become a unicorn. I don't know. I think unicorns are born unicorns, but in any case, I just think it's the, it took too long for it to happen. And now he's battling an injury. Yeah. And I'm a stickler for anything that is just fresh and new. I just prefer that, you know, Jonathan Taylor is a you know, great player having a good season that we've seen good running backs before play behind good lines and fun schemes. Um, seeing the guy do what Debo Samuel does and the, the way they're able to use him in these different quirky ways is, I mean, this is where I was hoping football would go when the Jags will listen to Denard Robinson as offensive weapon and they're just going to yeah. throw him out there and who knows where he's going to be at any given play and he'll be in the backfield and he'll block, then he'll go out wide. Uh, maybe he'll play some Wildcat quarterback. This is what, you know, the kind of positionless stuff that has been coming for 10, 15 years. It, the, the level of, I mean, he's been excellent all season, but the level of the counting stats and not realizing how unique they are, they really snuck up on me when they started yeah. you know, going around three, four weeks ago. And it's like, oh, wow, it's it's that unusual? Because when you're just watching, it's it's amazing and he's brilliant to watch, but I didn't realize um, the degree to which, yeah, how historic it was. Yeah. Um, you have strong feelings about, coach of the year so i'm gonna just let you go mm-hmm. first before i i feel like there's three candidates um well why don't you try to guess who my three candidates are i think there's three obvious ones uh cliff belichick lafleur nailed it so who is your pick i i mean i have gone back and forth on this mm. but i am a devout matt lafleur believer um and my thing with him this season he's had to deal with all kinds of chaos and who knows what that's been like behind the scenes too because it doesn't seem like that fun a work environment all the time um coming into the year you had the three guys with that 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 same offensive setup and they all had to try and reimagine it they realized that you know what what defense has started to do in terms of the two high structures and the, the kind of rotations and the inversions of coverages that are happening they had to kind of reinvigorate find new ways to attack defenses and you had uh, McVeigh say well i'm just going to go spread take the play design out and put it all on matthew stafford's shoulder and he'll take me to the promised land you had shanahan say i'll draft a power running quarterback with a big arm who's never been in the system before in the modern age kind of john elway-ish but with better legs hopefully like young john elway um, that hasn't been seen in the modern league. That's my plan. <laughs> and then Matt LaFleur says, okay, well, I have Aaron Rodgers, so I win everything. And I'm going to run all these cool creative counter designs. I mean, you mm-hmm. go through that that Seattle, the, the opening two drives, some of the counts stuff they run with the receivers is really unusual stuff to run at the pro level. Then he comes out with these quads formations every week. That is just some mind-blowing stuff with the sole intent of his entire week, I think, is built. How do I get Devontae Adams open? That's my entire week. I would give him the award purely so for the Cincinnati I, game. I just want to pause there. Like watching yeah. Devonte Adams, if when you go back and you rewatch Packers games, watching just just watch Devonte Adams. If you're listening to this and you have the facility to rewatch games, watch watch what he does on every single play because Lafleur's creativity in finding way. You, you talk about the Cincinnati game. How about the freaking uh, Rams game? Where, you know, like his, it was ingenious, just obviously some, you know, just scheming him away from Jalen Ramsey in part, but like, he is so good at 
finding mismatches. It's honestly like in the the Rams game is by the way exhibit A in that, but um, I it I feel like it's not appreciated enough because of the quarterback who people seem to have forgot was not playing elite football before Matt LaFleur came to Green Bay. And, and that's why, like, I'm not decided on him. And we can talk about the other guys shortly. But to me, like, it's almost like, okay, wait, let's hit pause and recognize this is a guy who I think had the best winning percentage through 40 games of any coach in NFL history. Right now he's 35 and nine uh, in Green Bay. And it's kind of yeah, like, I'm, I'm not trying to give him like lifetime achievement or whatever, but let's I, I i think he's been punished for coaching aaron Rodgers when in fact aaron Rodgers should is the has benefited in a lot of ways from playing for him uh, absolutely and then there's the the defensive side of the ball where he signed off on all that stuff you know he tried to make it upgrade the whole the whole setup there so yeah. and it was like he was dinged for that the first year where the, the defense stings well it's, it's as if it's aaron's team and everyone else is long for the ride well he wasn't playing very well at the end of the mccarthy era and and then he comes back and wins an mvp award um, I just some of the stuff they do. I, one thing they do with Adams that's really interesting. It's less so to me about finding mismatches. They they hide the best player on the field within the play design. Yes. That's so unusual because everyone's trying to find the guy when they run. So they run four by one quads. You do not run that at the NFL. The hashes are too short. It's too narrow. You cannot fit four guys in with even spacing to one side of the field. Peyton Manning ran some of it. Not many other people run a, a whole deal of it. Although it's it's slowly creeping up in the league because you can swamp those two deep safeties because you got four guys on one side of the field obviously they run that a bunch purely to hide adams because you can only commit so many resources to one side of the field either you put him on the one side and then if you double him it's easy for rogers or you sneak him in one of those four players and it gets really tricky to double team him in there so just that level of ingenuity to say this stuff would not normally work at this level but i've got the best receiver and the best quarterback in the league so let me run stuff they do run in high school because I think it can work with my specific guys. There were plays. And actually, this the stuff with Ramsey, the games with Ramsey go back to the playoffs last year. You remember that when Ramsey had to pass him off in the end zone and got upset <laughs> because um, I think it was Darius Williams who ended up covering Adams. But like even when they do try to have Ramsey follow him as an assignment, um, LaFleur, like you said, he's so good at hiding him and i feel like just watching him in the backfield is just like an adventure like oh where's he gonna end up you know every on every play and it's um it's pretty special um i think cliff has a very strong case um especially like so what we said earlier about how uh or what i said about how arizona going two for three hurts murray or hurts murray's mvp case i think it helps cliff's coach of the year case um you know, people will point to that and say, but see, he won without his best players. Um, and, you know, I think losing to LaFleur head-to-head maybe hurts. Uh, he also missed that one Browns game where Kyler went nuclear. That was He was out with COVID, and so I guess maybe that hurts him a little bit. But from a narrative perspective, even though like LaFleur's body of work is so impressive that the Cardinals like kind of check a lot of the narrative boxes. And also, I'm sorry, I want to, Cliff has also done, I think a very good job. Yeah. It's funny with him. There's almost like this everyone holding back because of how bad it was at Texas tech. It's like, it's similar to the Rogers thing you were talking about before. Are we just going to give it all the credit to Kyla? Right. And then we'll just say, well, Cliff was along for the ride. 
which I just think is unfair. I mean, they've been they've been unbelievable both sides of the ball, dealing with a bunch of injuries, dealing with their quarterback going out, winning games with Colt McCoy in twenty twenty one, which should be an award unto itself. Um, he actually played pretty well. Doesn't count if you have to um, play the Seahawks in one of those games. <laughs> that's true. And in that division, see, that's a good point because coming into the season, it's like whoever comes out at the top in that division, yeah. unless someone wins fifteen games somewhere, you would have said, well, to get through that gauntlet, you know, hand that thing probably would have thought to McVay again. Um, yeah, I mean, he has as close to an unassailable a case as anyone, but there is some some kind of reservation there, as in, I think it's a similar thing with him where he gets dinged for being the quarterback whisperer, but how hard is it, I think, is the impression outside to coach Kyler Murray when a lot of the plays are him running around yeah. and just you know, throwing the Although, ball towards the downfield. I do think, like, this year, like, the offense has taken – another leap forward where whereas like i i think i i was certainly a cliff naysayer through the first two weeks of the year in, in the passing game i was like all right really we're really doing this again um and i do think watching them this year it feels like there's a bit more creativity it feels like the run and pass games are like kind of more integrated uh he's doing a good job with decision making which matters we should consider that too right in game and like time management and stuff like that um, and you know, he oversees the whole team and the, the I'm going to talk about the defense a little bit later, but, um, I've been crazy impressed by the Arizona defense. So yeah, like it, it makes sense. Um, Belichick also makes sense though, because rookie quarterback, ton of new faces sucks last year, feels like post Brady success. When was the last time Bill Belichick won coach of the year? Let's see. Um, I, I, I have no idea. Because it was kind has of one he? of those things. Uh, he has to have at some point, right? Because I know was, he has, but it, I, it was like one of those things where for a while, I'm not sure. every every like season, we would say, okay, he, he's a three-time coach of the year. 2003, 2007. So he hasn't won it since 2010. And it feels like since then, everybody said, well, it should be Belichick. But, you know, we're not going to actually give it to Belichick. But this feels like a year where people actually might rally behind it for the reasons that I just described. Yeah, I mean, he hit the the Jordan LeBron phase where it's just like, yeah, we get it. You're the best. Can we talk about some other yeah. people for a little bit? Um, he's almost like coach emeritus or whatever. Um, I, th- I mean, he should win it, I think. I mean, you, you think there's no more pick. obvious case of. Uh, yeah, why did I just say that when I think it should be Matt LaFleur? I, I don't just, know. I just you just sounded myself. so confident. I Yeah. Okay. But I d- I think he's the easiest to divorce from the talent of the roster. I mean, we can get into him as an exec later, but when they play to about the start of the season and then they start playing really well, it's the same players on the field and they're being used in slightly different ways. There is the coaching. You know, that to me is a pretty simple case for the coach of the year. He had a rookie quarterback. They brought them along slowly. And he's been so fascinating this season because usually with Belichick, he throws a ton at everyone early on. And they really pare it down. And people think of him as being this defensive guru and genius, but they don't actually run a lot by the end of the season. Now, they'll change a lot season to season, but he figures out, these are the things I like. This is what I trust. This is what this group of players can do. And for the first four weeks, I throw it all out there and then pick the things that I like. Whereas this year, he really has gone to be like, this week we're running one thing. The next week we're running a new package. Slowly, I'm, I'm adding more and more as the season goes along so that when we get towards the playoffs, I can go to any one of these 12 different plans, no matter who we face down the stretch, which is unusual for him. And it, to me, it's just certainly not more engaged coaching. I don't think he can ever get more engaged in the specifics of coaching, but there's a, a ton more of him specifically game planning to win games. 
That's a good point. Yeah, it, defensively, it was in the beginning of the season. I feel like they were at the very, very beginning. They were it playing. So it, the the defense, which was bad at the beginning of the season, um, was it, it kind of looked like I don't know the 2019 Patriots defense, but without the same personnel. And then since then, week to week, they've kind of made adjustments. They have played more zone as the year has gone by. But then there's been games where they've gone back. You know, they they switched it up. To your point, and now it suddenly feels like oh, they can they can probably do everything. Yeah, that. That, uh, the defensive profile thing is interesting because they're just a disguise-based defense now, which he's kind of never been, which when you think of like this genius defensive mind, you think of someone out-tricking or out-thinking the opposing quarterback. Yeah. Really, he just picks the best plan normally, and they just lean into it, and they run it better than everyone, and often in high-leverage games, and everyone sees it, and they say, what a great job by Bill Belichick. This is the year where it's all disguise-based. Some of the, the stuff he did against Tom Brady is still, I think, the most interesting schematic thing that's happened all season long in any game. I mean, he he tricked the guy for two straight quarters with some pretty, I wouldn't say basic, but fairly rudimentary tactics, but it takes someone of his intellect to, to think to do that. Yeah, and that's, I think, partially why Bill Belichick could potentially benefit from these two marquee bills matchups in december because ollie like that that is something that josh allen has struggled with at times when defenses disguise their intention he's forced to hold on to the football yeah and this is the thing with them this year right that the secret to them compared to most years is usually they have a very good secondary or they have a very good pass rush and he plays man coverage or zone coverage and this year he can disguise things whilst getting just crazy pressure up front yeah. from judon and barmore and all those guys, and then he sends all these new zone pressures and blitzes. I mean, he is unloading everything every single week at this point. It's just brand new stuff. And if you can combine pressure with a disguised coverage, that that is really difficult for anyone. And Allen has not been good when he's broken the pocket this year. And that is that is a jarring difference from last year where they built a system which was, if everything goes wrong, yeah. don't worry, Josh will bail us out. He'll run around, he'll find someone, we all win. Um, and now it's, oh, no, oh, no, he's going to make a mistake again. He's good when he scrambles. Out and, and But I think yes. the Patriots have the personnel to contain him on that front. It's a very good defense. Um, I also think this award is going to come down to the wire. Like, I don't think any – I don't think there's, like, momentum necessarily behind any three of these – any one of these three guys. And I think it really is going to come down to how their teams play uh, – in the final stretch and that's exciting yeah the two guys i had on the outside looking in were john harbaugh and mike rabrell just kind of like putting it together with what they've got left but i just don't think i, I think that you know you've got three very good dominant teams with very good coaches all right let's wrap the first half of this with a, a word i made up which is most disappointing team figured after all the positivity most disappointing team presented by i don't know spindrift I feel like I promote Spindrift a lot. Um, so I feel like you got to go Seahawks or Browns. Panthers, maybe, but meh. I don't know. I didn't have high expectations for them. Uh, I feel you You could, as a Jets or Jaguars fan, and like I'd like to have seen more from my quarterback. I know the Rams are, you know, they're coming off of this losing streak, but I don't think a 7-4 team qualifies for this award or the Chargers at 6-5. So, Seahawks Browns, am I ignoring any obvious contenders? And if if not, who would you pick? Uh, I think the Browns is probably the one in terms of fan base expectation. 
Um, that goes back to them coming into the season with that similar problem I mentioned earlier with McVeigh, LaFleur, and these guys of how are they going to reinvigorate and re-evolve, and they just ran the same thing out there again. And it's just it's just frustrating to watch from the outside. I don't know what it would be like to be a fan or be on the inside. I think the other one is the Dolphins, because I, mm. I don't think I had necessarily high expectations for them coming into the season, but for it to fall so flat and so far so early on, where now they're in a situation where they probably will get to seven and seven and maybe rescue this thing at the end. Yeah. Um, but it's still like, it's certainly a what could have been situation. And I didn't think it would ever get so bad as it did during that at the beginning. Kind of middle crux of the season. Yeah. Or, yeah. If it, I feel like if the Dolphins schedule had been reversed, they, I would probably throw them in here because you're right. I think there were like high expectations. Like now the defense is playing a lot like they did last year, um, but it took a while. And, you know, now you're getting, you know, I mean, we, the two of things, a whole other conversation, but he looks, uh, he's looked super solid in recent weeks for them. And uh, you could debate what super solid means, but point is, uh, if, if that happened at the beginning of the season, I think, and then, then struggled, it would probably fit this bill. Um, the Seahawks, you know, I think there's a little, well, well, the Seahawks and Browns both have a little, the sort of, same absolution or like the same thing you could say, well, this is, you can write the season off in part in that both of their quarterbacks struggled with injuries. Um, I think with the Seahawks though, even with the Wilson missing four games, they didn't look great before and they certainly haven't looked good after. Uh, and the disappointment there is compounded by, of course, the draft pick belonging to New York. So it's like, and the looming specter, the sword of Russell Wilson's trade demand hanging over the season. So, like, I think I could, I, I feel you on Cleveland. I weirdly think, like, Cleveland fans, assuming Mayfield doesn't turn it around, in some ways it's very disappointing, but there are like things to be excited about i think both of their rookie defensive picks look fantastic greg newsom and uh, joke jeremiah osukorma and you know denzel ward when he's come played has looked really really good um i also think like at least you'll have an answer on baker right like it would have been worse in some ways to get like i don't know b plus play out of baker and then giving him a ton of money so at least there's like some terra firma in cleveland yeah I th the seattle thing is just that there's a sense that this is the whole house of cards falling down right. and who is going to be left in the building by the time we get to february exactly and uh, is everyone going to be gone will one stay two stay who makes that decision so you have all that going on that kind of in the ether which i think uh, plays into all this and also the expectations which was what we what, what what we from the outside you more so from the outside what have been waiting for which is going to be this new offense and there's going yeah. to be tempo and it's going to be play action and it's going to be motion and shifting and maybe they'll finally figure out the offensive line and they're completely transforming the make for the defense in terms of how they play um so yeah to set expectations that high and then it to look like that visually and viscerally i think that's the thing it's like if you just had the performances Maybe you could explain it away, but it it's oh, the, the defeats, I should say. It is the the optics of the thing, which is they look so far off the pace that it's now going to have to be a serious rebuild. All those terrible drafts have caught up to them, and now it's going to have to be yeah. some kind of rebuild, which you could probably microwave because you have Russell Wilson, 
but it's that nagging conversation of well who will be around to to try and no idea i have no idea thing. people keep asking me that like what, are, what should seattle i don't freaking know like i know what they i think they should do like in the ideal world for seattle and i'll obviously hit this a lot harder um after the season would be that russell wilson stays and you rebuild around him uh but i don't know if he will stay and i don't know if ownership has an appetite to do that. Uh, they just gave contract extensions to be Carol and John Schneider. So I have no idea. That I think is probably why they win this award for me. So Cleveland fans take some solace in my pain. All right. After, well, actually, Cleveland fans also, after the break, we're going to talk about one of your players. I have a feeling we agree. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. And I have to say, speaking from experience recently, having tried it for the first time in Detroit, it is absolutely delicious. Right now, you can get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to JetsPizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jet's signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's number eight, S-A-V-E. Jet's Pizza. Better because it has to be. Two guys drove to work. Neither guy wore a seatbelt. One guy got a ticket. One guy didn't. The same two guys drove home. One guy wore a seatbelt. One guy didn't. One guy made it home. The guy not wearing his seatbelt didn't. Don't risk it. Click it or ticket. Paid for by NHTSA. So, Ollie, Defensive Player of the Year. There's no one other than Garrett, right? I mean, am I missing something? Like, I feel like it. it it's kind of like... Um, the astronaut pointing the gun at the other astronaut me i might be messing that up but it it's been garrett it should be garrett it will be garrett yeah he he's the guy who i really wish cleveland was better just for mvp stuff he's that level of dominant he's that level of of, uh, game altering and playing on a line that was anticipated to be so good and he just has not had anywhere near the help he's expected the guys inside are washed Clowney's still a good player but it's not kind of the one to hit that i suspected it would be coming into the season everyone else as good as they've been max crosby is having the, just the most ludicrous year that is just never discussed uh, outside <laughs> of if they're playing a national tv game in that broadcast i think he's got like 70 odd total pressures which is almost 10 15 ahead of garrett himself which is just wild um but yeah even those guys drew don parsons whoever you want to, to look at it, it it's all a step below garrett for me yeah uh it's so like so garrett's got uh 14 sacks uh leads the nfl next is you got tj watt with 12 and a half drew don with 11 and a half robert quinn who's having a delightfully feisty season with 11 uh garrett's also first like and those are not empty sacks uh, to your point he's first in our our pass rush win rate metric First time I say that successfully will be the last, or the next time will be the first. Um, he also ranks up there in hurries, hits. Like, he is utterly dominant. Um, God, the, the play on, the, was it Monday night? No, it was a Sunday night game with the Ravens where he, it wasn't, he didn't even catch Lamar, or he did, but he, Lamar, Lamar got like nine yards. 
but he chased him down. I, I wasn't looking at the internet. I don't know. Like, I, I don't know if people understand how freaking insane that is. Like, uh, <laughs> I mean, it was one of the most, it's funny. Like that's not going to go on his highlight reel for defensive player of the year, but it should like, that's one of the craziest things I've seen a defensive lineman do all season. Um, I think there's no uh, DBs that fit the bill. It's funny. There's a you know there was a lot of Trevon Diggs momentum, but I think that's silly. I mean, he he still leads the league in interceptions. JC Jackson is behind him in seven, but I think his play has been too inconsistent in coverage. Uh, I still think Jalen Ramsey's the best corner in the NFL. I actually think the uh, just to get a little weird after Garrett and maybe those other edge rushers, I think Darius Leonard would be the guy that I would throw out there in terms of like just dominant play at the position and what he does for his defense. I also, so I tweet this, but I was looking at his stats since, you know, he has five forced fumbles this year. Um, I think like, so the last time someone had more than five was Drell Freeman in 2013 had six Levante David led the league in 2014, 2016 and 2017, which freaking rules and is why like Levante David is so cool. Such a cool player. But um, to me, like, Leonard, like maybe, I don't know if Garrett had zero sex and, and Leonard had like a, a couple more, more than that to end the season. He probably still wouldn't win it because he's not an edge rusher and doesn't affect the game the way Garrett does. But I think he's really had a tremendous season. Yeah, I think he has 15 forced fumbles since he came into the league, Total. which is behind yeah. only TJ Watt, which, you know, he's not getting the help of the strip sack fumble, which right. is how those guys all inflate their um, fumble numbers. It's crazy. I think, um, I don't know how much voters look into this kind of stuff. He, he's so protected by the scheme there and kind of the sit and rally stuff. And he's not turning and running with, with guys in coverage as much that maybe that dings him a little bit. But in terms of, if you just went, above replacement and we did kind of a baseball warp thing he might have an edge on garrett and just what is demanded of a modern linebacker and what he can do and then be kind of the playmaker in the middle which you just don't have anyone else uh, really doing that at the moment um he certainly has a path if that was factored in i think can i shout out rashawn gary a little bit i mean i'm not a um I'm not a Packers fan. I've just so happened to study them so much this season. I, I wish there was a kind of a most improved player award. Yeah. Which sometimes seems offensive to the NBA guys. It's like, yeah, you used no. to stink, but now we think you're pretty good. Uh, Rashawn Gary is so good now. And what they've done with him in terms of this is such smart coaching from Joe Barry and, and whoever else signed off on this to say, you're essentially Jadevian Clowney for us. Jadevian Clowney in Houston, um, where everything has to be head on. You have to be swooping from the outside to the inside. You're not Khalil Mack. No more of this dipping right around the edge stuff. It's just not who you are. Everything is running through the chest of a lineman. Either we'll, we'll slant you inside, we'll stand you up inside. We'll just set it so it's more of a pincer motion so that you're just collapsing it from the outside in and we'll run some kind of game on the other side of the field. They have put that guy into such a good position to succeed this year. And then his level has just gone so through the roof. He's having such a dominant year. And if you track how well their defense has gone from that early part of the year where they tried a bunch of stuff yeah. and it just mostly failed as they were figuring out who they wanted to be. It, it, it trends almost exclusively with how dominant he's been. Yeah. I, he, in terms of like making the leap, uh, no doubt. I think he benefits a bit from playing next to Kenny Clark, who I might be a little too obsessed with as a player, but um, we're at like comparative compared to miles Garrett, but you're right. He, he, he now is, 
has made the jump into that upper echelon of like the NFL's elite edge rushers in my mind, which I did not think was going to happen after his first season in the league. So huge part of the reason why that Packers defense is uh, so special. And then they get back to Smith. Um, yeah, that's a good vote. And you're right, but that's it, a good point about in Indy and how Darius Leonard playing there, he's not asked to do the same stuff in coverage that some other off ball linebackers are. It, it, I would just say like, you know, play, like you said, he's a playmaker and defensive player of the year is not going to go to like, I threw out Jalen Ramsey, even though he, he, he is a playmaker as well, but he's also elite in coverage, but it is about playmaking and it's going to be Garrett. I mean, I would be shocked if it's not. Um, Okay. So actually this is the, the Packers defense talk is a good transition to, an award that I think is really fun, which is uh, the, well, actually, I think the assistant coach of the year might be branded. I told you before we started that there's, I realized upon Googling that the um, NFL honors, more of them are branded than I thought. I guess assistant coach can't be branded. Anyways, I think if you and I had this talk in like week seven, we would be arguing which of the Cowboys assistants was going to win, but it is not week seven. It is week 12. And while I still think they're under consideration, uh, I'm going to throw out three names. The aforementioned Joe Barry, Josh McDaniels, and Vance Joseph. How do you feel about those three names? And do you have other names? I think those are all good. I think the McDaniels one is uh, probably the most evident. We can see him completely scheming around, yeah. trying to hide elements of his quarterback he doesn't trust yet. That's good. Another name, I think Lou Anarumo with the Bengals, the DC there. Really? I like rewarding guys who've had really crappy, tough careers, and then they get into the right spot where he struggled in Cincinnati. Their fans will now be rolling off 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 their chairs they will not believe this but he's been really creative this year and completely broken out of his own box and being rewarded with great success you know they have probably the best safety tandem in the league outside of maybe buffalo he uses them really creatively mm. that front nobody thought was going to be good they thought they overpaid for players um they've all been really productive um i i think that in terms of squeezing the most out of a unit i, I think he's been really excellent so this is like why it's it's funny. It's hard sometimes to parse out with coaching and executives and assistants. It's always like, okay, who do we give credit to? Because I'm going to bring up the Bengals personnel later. Um, but yeah. And, and so like when we see those players play really, really well, you know, where, whereas I was like, well, let's talk about executives. You're absolutely right. Like, you know, coaches coach players. And when players who have been less successful suddenly like, you know, take another leap or play really well together in a way they didn't before, it is, you know, you could definitely pin some of that on the coaches. I mean, that's a huge part of my case for Vance Joseph. Um, so who has been, this is also, I think like he, he carried Cliff last year. Like he has been excellent in Arizona working at times with a limited catalog of ingredients, manufacturing pass rush out of thin air. Uh, so now the Cardinals defense ranks uh, third in pass, third in defensive DBA period, third against the pass, 15th against the run, which is where I would attack them. Um, but what has been remarkable to me, and this was what I was the last thing I watched before we gathered here today, is the play of this secondary. And it's not it's not it's not sexy there's not a lot of disguise there's not 
it's he's lining them up. I mean, it's it's a lot of um, cover three and man free and to count on Buda Baker to be the center fielder in that defense. But holy smokes, Marco Wilson, who was a fourth rounder, who I did not think I just didn't consider. Uh, I asked Ryan Clark, who like knows college DBs really well, and he talked about how he had some injuries and was really good and impressive early in his career. Well, whatever. He's been freaking awesome for them at cornerback. Then Byron Murphy Jr. from Washington, who I loved in college, he was not great last year. And was that was a big part of the reason why I was suspicious of this defense. So he plays both inside and outside. Um, for those who don't watch Arizona, he's been excellent. Um, and then you've got like, you resuscitated the career of Robert Alford. I mean, I... Jalen Thompson, yeah, like it to me, like, wow, I every time I watch this Cardinals defense, I'm like, I cannot the, the contrast in terms of expectations between what I predicted from or expected out of the secondary and how they've played has been spectacular. Yeah, and the thing that's most interesting with them is early in the season, it was all boom and bust, and they became the team that bought in wholly to this new process across the league, which is you send all your pressure on first down because yeah. that's the only down that really matters. Yeah. And then you just rush four or three of the rest of the downs. Everyone gets caught up in third down. The only thing that really matters is first down. You win third down by winning first down. That's what it is. And they have been horrific on first down. It's like a riddle. They're like 20th in the league in first down EPA. They are putting themselves in such a bind under so much pressure. And for those guys to, to perform, like you said, in straight man coverage on, on the later downs is, is just uh, pretty impressive. I, to me, it's almost like I thought early in the year they were getting a ton of negative plays. And that was a lot of the coaching, which was just, we're going to send the house, trust yeah. the guys on the outside, hope for the best. Now I think it's it's, it's more a credit to those players, like you said. Um, Murphy, unbelievable. Marco Wilson, I mean, he was an unbelievable freshman at Florida. He got injured, he had some off-the-field stuff. And to just go and find that guy, again, that's an exec decision there, where it's like, let's take a punt on a guy who was a really highly rated recruit, had a great first season in the SEC, and let's just see what we've got there in the fourth round. And slowly and steadily, he develops into being such a good press man corner. Um, so I, he's almost got a weird split where half the season is his and half the season is his players really yeah. helping him. They, they're also trying to, I, they're a team that I think that is trying to figure out how to get better at stopping the run as the season goes along. I've been, something you kind of notice is the change in the usage of the linebackers. You know, Zayvon Collins and Isaiah Simmons and Jordan Hicks, who I think was the one who said he like, took a pay cut or something. There was like some kind of weirdness with him before the season. Anyways, um, they've kept them on the field a bit more as the season has gone along. And I think because it feels like Vance is kind of preparing for playoff matchups a little bit more. Um, and those guys have not been awesome in coverage, frankly. Simmons is still a little bit all over the place for me. But you can see him making tweaks as the year goes along. And I... I just think like what he has gotten from, I mean, lose to lose JJ Watt, who was playing really, really well before he went down and the production that they're getting out of like Zach Allen, Marcus Golden, who continues to be like one of the better bargains in the league. It's just very impressive to me. Yeah. And he, he's the guy I certainly trust the most where whoever they wind up playing in the playoffs will, will have 
a game altering plan yeah. where three or four things in the game will happen because he decided that they would happen. He'll come up with some really creative design or he'll make some decision. He'll use Simmons in some specific way he's decided. I mean, he, that, that's the great thing about them is they built this kind of modern defense where it's really flexible and guys could play in all kinds of different spots. Like you said, they could just change their linebacker rotation and feel comfortable about putting guys in different spots. That That's his whole bag is knowing how to make that one specific alignment tweak or personnel package or certain blitz path and just lean all the way into it in whatever specific game he's going into. So I actually remember now the last time you were on, we were talking about the Patriots offense and how it was kind of frustrating to watch. Am I misremembering that? Um, I think I, no, that's right. yeah. So, you know, I think we shared the opinion that they should, lean in a bit more to the stuff Mac Jones did in college and basically simplify the offense for him. And um, it's working. <laughs> uh, I, 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 so over the last six weeks since, so week six through 12, the Pats lead the NFL in offensive EPA per play. Um, they are putting now on a clinic. Josh McDaniels is what I'm Josh McDaniels in how to make things easy for your rookie quarterback while taking advantage of his skill set. Um, I love watching their play action game. It's just, uh, it's, it's not like vanilla per se, but there's like Mac Jones has like easy answers for him every time, you know, it's just play action with leveled reads. Um, the run game is kind of where there's a little bit more creativity and defenses are helpless to stop it. Helpless is a little strong. Yeah, but the the play action stuff is vanilla is probably fair. I mean, two of the routes are always the same. Yes. It's the third one they kind of you know, let's get a bit crazy with the third one. Um, have some fun. Gets there. Uh, and what's happened? I think mostly for him is one the line got healthy. It's and it was already going to be one of the best lines in the league if they had stayed healthy. Um, tight ends finally come into the picture more, which was something we talked about at the time. They just couldn't quite figure out how they wanted yeah. to use those guys fully. Um, and I think they've settled more into that about who does what job, essentially. Which is weird, by the way, the because we knew Johnny yeah. Smith and Hunter Henry were coming into the <laughs> season. I, I find this so perplexing. I was thinking about watching the Titans game because when they used Johnu like he on a jet sweep on like the first drive, I was like, no shit, like Johnu is this dude. Hunter Henry's going to run routes. Like, anyway, sorry, complaining. No, that that. It, that was the the ideal coming into the year. It's strange they would take the smartest guys in the business so long to mm. to implement it properly. I think the other big thing is just the guys making plays for him. Like Kendrick Bourne becoming a real difference-making playmaker is just something I just did not think would ever happen. Um, and they've hit on basically every single piece they brought in. Um, and then McDaniels has Say just that. slowly added more and more to the plate. Yeah, we'll talk about the, that with the within a word, but yes. Yeah. So uh, do you feel like that there's, that the offense is too still like, do you feel, do you feel like it's too conservative or do you feel like it's the exact proper amount of conservative? Yeah, I think they, they've played so well and Jones specifically has played so well that um, yeah. I, I understand that the intent people want more, 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 but it's like, what I mean, they're playing brilliantly. The balance has been pretty great. Are they predictable? Sure. But they, they still smash people in the mouth and they, they, they mash people up front and just churn out a bunch of efficient yards and they can hit explosive plays off play action. Um, this is just who they're going to have to be. And then slowly they'll probably get a bit more creative, a bit more spread. But they're, they're telling you what they think is that they kind of have to coach around him and they trust him just enough to do these certain things. Um, and it, it's working. I don't know why we would we would need him to necessarily do much more. 
I would throw out maybe so I think the Cowboys guys <laughs> the Cowboys especially Dan Quinn in particular are still uh up for consideration I think Byron Leftwich perhaps could gain some momentum as the year goes along um earlier if you'd asked me earlier in the year I might have said Phil Snow but I don't think so now so I don't know I think it's probably could come down to I mean this one really you could really make a case for any of the guys that we've discussed I think um yeah yeah there's guys like Dennis Allen who have done an unbelievable job yeah. and just sabotage by the other side of the ball like you right know, you cannot coach football better than Dennis Allen has done this year with that defense which is loaded with players I understand but he's done a brilliant job week to week but he's just not going to win enough games to be to be close to the discussion so I don't even think we really need to have a discussion here defensive rookie of the year presented by Microsoft Surface <laughs> uh it's Micah Parsons I mean, I guess Sertan could come on. He's been, he's been coming on hot and coming off of the best game of his NFL career thus far. Uh, and he looks great. And I already, as I mentioned, I love Usu Kormo. By the way, the whole defensive first round or like rookie class, there's some real hits between those guys. Javon Holland, Adafi Owe's looked awesome. The, all the pass rushers have been playing better. Quiddy Pay is doing things. You mentioned Barmore, whom I love, Nate Hobbs in Vegas, but it's Parsons. Like, you know, come on, it's Parsons. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and he's he's in the discussion of how high does he go in the just the defensive player of the year category. Beyond, I mean, the turnaround that defense, which we can rightly attribute to Dan Quinn, is mostly because they now have this freakish pass rusher they just did not expect to have, and they get to pair him with Randy Gregory, who's been out of his mind good too. Yeah. Um, I, and the thing for me, Parsons, it's so beyond like defensive rookie of the year i mean it's just so obvious yes he wins it it's like what are they going to do with him long term now that the smart value play will be to have him be this elite pass rusher but then he's also one of the best off-ball linebackers in the league so yeah what is their long-term oh, plan with him will he just move spots week to week they can pick it game plan to game plan um they just decide no you are von miller so that's the most valuable thing in the league go and be von miller um, you know, they drafted him to be one guy and they knew he could rush the passer a little bit. He always had some month for Penn State, but this is just, this is, I cannot be at all what they expected to be this good, this fast, just purely rushing the passer. So to your question, Demarcus Lawrence has two more years on his contract, but um, there are some outs along the way. And I do think that might factor into this, you know, um, right? Like, so he is... Uh, so after this year, it's like 19 million in dead cap. If they, if they were to consider that, I'm just saying, but, um, you know, his cap hit in 2022 is 27 million in 2023. It's 29 million. So I could see that being part of the equation, but yeah, it's just funny with Parsons. Like, you know, the whole scouting report on him was like, yeah, he's this linebacker. He's amazing. He could be the next you know, Bobby Wagner or whatever, but like, also he was like a high school edge rusher. And when you watch him rush the passer, holy smokes. And like, I was like, Oh wow. You can, maybe they'll like line him up occasionally. He'll do some fun things. Like he already looks like one of the 10, five, <laughs> I'm like escalating it. I, I, I'm, I'm blown away watching him rush the passer. And I agree. He can play off ball linebacker too and, and play it well. Um, and that, that, that journey has been a little bit more up and there's been some dips during the season, but holy smokes, Ed Rusher. Like, I, here's the thing Chase Young won last year. Who would you rather have rushing the passer? Yeah. I mean, 
it's weird as well because if you look at the guys that have come into the league recently we haven't had a quintessential dip and rip outside guy they are all giant players who can do a bit of everything obviously Clowney is the best you can do whatever you want from him chase young similar you've got the bosas who are kind of inside move guys that demarcus Ware round the edge guy we haven't had one who can just bend to the crown in that kind of way what year was that 2011 right is that right? Jesus, I feel so long ago. Something like that. Uh, yeah, I feel old now. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, we, yeah, we haven't right. had a whole bunch of guys that kind of Brian Burns mold. You know, go get Brian Burns. And those guys kind of flash for like six weeks a year. Yeah. The, the, the sustained excellence of the guys who are those long-armed uh, guys who can bend around the corner. I mean, he is the best that's come into the league in a long time. Yeah. So offensive rookie of the year is a little bit more debatable right now if you ask me who i think will win i think it's gonna be mac jones I'm not saying should just saying well i think the three candidates are jones jamar chase and rashawn slater <laughs> um and then with like yeah that's it right i'm not missing that those are the three i feel like pitts and smith no, yeah, are, the are looking in. so let me ask you who should win of those three? Uh, you know, I feel like I'm going to get kicked out of the cool kids club if I don't say Rashawn Slater, but I think yeah, I think you do have to give it to Mac Jones. Sounds like the and cool kids club is just offensive around. linemen because the other time you said that it was about Trent Williams. <laughs> so anyways. Uh, well, that is that is the, the nerd Twitter thing to say would be to give it to Rashawn uh, Slater, who I, okay. I think is it just on a pound for pound level is probably the best player. Yeah. Chase is, is, is it's unfortunate for Chase because he can be schemed out of the game at the moment, which is what's happened to him the last four weeks or so i think he's only yeah. clips 50 yards once something like that um and they'll also they have with jones because you know, of they have um options if he is the burrow will look to t higgins which is what happened last week like you know what i mean like it it, it hurts him yeah. to be in an offense with so many options and so many great skill players and it's great because there's great value in that that's, that's how they win good games for, it's good, it's good for, for the Bengals. less him, good yeah. for pepsi offensive rookie of the year so I think Jones, just because of how much is on his plate, and and I fully understand that there's tons of screen passes and he's handing the ball off a lot, but he's still operating the whole thing at the line of scrimmage, yeah. which is pretty impressive this far in his career. I mean, everyone else is getting, um, all the other rookies are getting hidden to, a, to a, such an extreme, whereas he is running the whole thing himself at the line of scrimmage. Um, so yeah, it's, to put the level of performance he has since those kind of early struggles when we last spoke to what we've seen over the, the last couple of months, um, there's just not another candidate who's kind of scorched the earth all the way through who I think could usurp him. I agree. I think, yeah, the where he is is undeniable and what he benefits from, but they also benefit from him. They benefit from his accuracy, the decision-making, the touch passes. Um, he hasn't had any, like, meltdowns on the way that would kind of disqualify him from winning. Uh, I, although I don't think he played particularly great last week, but I also think that it, these Patriots bills games, man, they can really make or break stuff. Uh, and that's going to be, I, I, I think the Pats are going to win. Uh, we'll see if I'm wrong, but I think all Mac Jones has to do is play well at this point. <laughs> like he doesn't have to, you know, he certainly isn't being asked to like carry the team. And, his performance relative to the other rookie quarterbacks, it makes him the favorite to win. So yeah, I, th I think he probably will win. And I don't think anyone will be too worked up about it. Um, just because he's played so well.
All right, as of late. Next award is one that I made up. And that is Guy I Underestimated. Um, you have a fun one. Tell me yours. Certain sub, sub, sub fan base Zach is going to love this. Sorry, I've interrupted you. Yeah. Uh, yeah, Zach Taylor's mine. Um, and I'll I'll just say bluntly, I thought Zach Taylor stung. I'm still not sold on him at all as like a long term. Can he be a viable coach in ten years? We'll be we be laughing about a Zach Taylor experience somewhere. We might well be. Um, so I'm completely undercutting the compliment to the man. But I, the frustration I had with them was how bland and vanilla they were on offense, where it looked like he was essentially taking everything everyone else was running in the league and just running the the best hits mm-hmm. of that stuff and not actually iterating himself. And they have, as the season's gone along, run, I think, more stuff and, and more unique stuff to the Bengals with that that specific personnel. But there's also something to be said for just he knows he's got good players and why would he not run stuff that is just right there open for good players? Every one of those pieces slots in so perfectly on offense um, and and he kind of works within that framework and works towards that. And then I mentioned before about the defensive stuff. I mean, again, he's the head coach. He deserves a, a bunch of credit for yeah. either signing off on the changes or, or being willing to step back and just let... Um, let the DC have full authority. So for them to be as competitive as, as they are and to have gotten better as the season's gone along, I did think they were, they were certainly going to hit a peak and then people would catch up with them because they have some mm. real bad tendencies. Um, and he's done a pretty decent job over the last three weeks of trying to break some of their, their worst habits in terms of how their tipping plays. Um, but and, and yet even within that, I think, for a coach just be like well we do run this stuff really well i just want to keep running it it's not what i would necessarily do but when it works you can't really dispute with the guy when you say stop you're talking about sort of the okay we're gonna the sort of the i think did you call them diet rams or was that someone else i forget but um you're talking about the passing concepts because the, the run game is it's so I, like the run game it is almost hypnotic to just watch Joe Mixon run the football over and over over again because it is literally just outside zone left, outside zone right, outside zone left. Like it is, and it it makes sense, right? Because well, one when it works, it's working, and it is working right now. But also, I think it protects the inside of that offensive line in a way that makes sense given the personnel that they have. But you're talking about the passing concepts. Yeah, that passing concept is a, is a grab bag of what are the 20 best plays that have been run in the league over yeah. the last three years, which is might be a very smart strategy. I mean, it, it's worked pretty well for them, and they have guys open all over the field because the, the they're guys awesome. individually are just so good. Yeah, They're awesome, and they're like um, – I said this on our show. They're, they're like a basketball team. Like you've got, you know, like your power forward, who I guess would be Jamar Chase – Hey, you, the the different skill players they have have such complementary skill sets that they have answers for different kinds of coverages. I mean, part of the reason why the Bengals are so good against man is because they have Jamar Chase and T Higgins, and like they're it you, it's very hard to play man coverage with both of those two players on the field, as the Pittsburgh Steelers made abundantly clear uh, in this last game. But yeah, shout out to Zach Taylor. I'll, I'll be quick with mine before we get to the final discussion. Um, this is just I. I thought Leonard Fournette was done, man. I thought he was washed. I thought he was like cooked. Uh, I thought his career was over. And I was just so happy watching him against the Colts because the Bucks run game is uh it's part of the reason why I think the Bucks are gonna are should be favorites to go back to the Super Bowl between them and Green Bay, really, but 
is because unlike a lot of the offenses in the NFL right now, I, I would actually say Green Bay similar to uh, Tampa in this regard, they have answers for Tua, but they have answers for whatever you throw at them. And one of those answers happens to, one of the answers is Rob Gronkowski is very important, but another answer is Leonard Fournette. Uh, I, again, like this was this game against Indianapolis. It was not just the Bucks offensive, the Bucks offensive line that was like ravaged by injury. This dude was grinding out yards after contact. And I was really just like, it just made me really happy to watch him do it. So I'll just, that's, Playoff Lenny, or they come now uh, for touchdown Lenny. I don't know. They tried to come up with a new nickname. It didn't right? really make sense. Rob Gronkowski posted a video with the new nickname. It didn't really work. He was Lombardi Lenny. Pardon me. Now he's for TD Lenny. So shout out to Lenny. I like your point on the books offense. Seth Galina has that riff about how you have to be able to run two offenses and that kind of thing. I, to me, I it's, you riff. have to run two offenses, but from the exact same personnel grouping, mm. right? You have to be able to get, they are now just a three wide receiver team. You know, they, they are not a team that gets into these big body formations anymore and necessarily uh, hammers you with the run game. That way they are happy to spread out the formation and then give the ball to Fournette with a six man blocking scheme. Cause they've got Gronkowski who's just a, a line, like a hall of fame Dude. blocking lineman on the right side of the line. Oh my God. Um, such a good blocker. So they, they, their versatility from what they can do, even without Antonio Brown, if Antonio Brown does not play for them again, I still think they should be Super Bowl favorites. If he plays then that, that, that really helps things. Um, but yeah, they have a, a real chance to catch steam down the stretch. Yeah. I don't get into them. I mean, I'm kind of like, you know, we'll, we'll talk about, these playoff teams as the playoffs get near, but um, Gronk is like the skeleton key. You're right. Like he just really is. All right. Let's wrap with executive of the year. I've got two names. One is Bill Belichick. The other is Duke Tobin. This has been like such a Bengals friendly podcast. Bengals fans. If you're listening, please I tell me how like, how, how long have you been waiting for all this positive Bengals talk? I feel like I, I, it hasn't been coming. But it, it, listen, Duke Tobin. So, oh, actually, you know what? I'm going to throw in one more name. Brian Gutekunst. <laughs> I don't know why I didn't mention that. Uh, Duke Tobin, si just signings this year. Trey Hendrickson, smash. Shobia Wouzier, smash. Mike Hilton, smash. No, I'm saying it that way. Also, Riley Reef has been fine. Quentin Spain's been fine for them. Uh, Jamar Chase, the Chase Sewell debate, the great Chase Sewell debate. He won. I feel like he's got a case. Absolutely. Is the, the history of this award? Do, do people usually give it for that I specific don't know. year? Is there a culmination no, of things? I have this? no I'm idea. Yeah, right. Sure. Is it like the most? Because coaches is like, did you turn the team around? I don't know. In this yeah. case, um, I have no idea. I'm I'm kind of looking at because this year. Because the Cardinals, I mean, you know, they signed all those guys, made the trades, and they have not had a miss for a long time. The, the move to get Kingsbury, like, I, I don't know if the team coming together in that season and the component parts were made up in previous years, does the exec get credit for the, the slow buildup? Because making the move to get Kingsbury was not an obvious thing. You know, they were, they were panned and laughed at for getting a losing coach in college. And it's been such a success. If you finish with the best record after making all those aggressive moves, I feel like that deserves some credit. Um, the Saints again. I mean, they've just been so. They the, Mickey Loomis, Jeff Island, who should probably would probably get it together. I think once you do the Taysom Hill contract, you are eradicated from all future discussions about it. Deck of the year, but every other thing they've done, if you just go through their drafts and that their uh, 
free agency pickups is their hit rate is so extraordinary yeah. it is so much better than every other person in the league and the roster is so loaded with talent to the point where michael thomas isn't playing and people forget and then is he leaving is he not leaving um, and yet they just have this disastrous quarterback situation behind Jameis winston for them to have even been competitive this year with Jameis, frankly um should have had them right in there mm. to be competitive at all with trevor simeon yeah is remarkable good against would be the funniest um especially if Aaron Rodgers doesn't win MVP. <laughs> uh, but, like, you know, I mean, we're seeing guys like Russell Douglas, Devondre Campbell. Devondre Campbell is turning to one of the best linebackers in the NFL. Freaking Eric Stokes, a pick that, you know, was not beloved when it happened, has been a contributor for them. Like, the fact that they're doing uh, – just so many of the guys he's drafted, not just this year, but, you know, if we're expanding it to include Gary Savage, Jenkins. I mean, it's – Pretty extraordinary hit rate to, you know, AJ Dillon being as good as he has, regardless. And then um, their guards, Royce Newman and John Runyon, like just the fact that they're playable, you know, and getting these guys in the later rounds, um, I think it's really impressive. And then Belichick finally, you know, finally, like he just did all the shit that every like other team, when they do, it doesn't work. <laughs> like going out, spending all that money and then drafting the rookie quarterback and, I, like, damn, dude. I mean, Kendrick Bourne's making like $5 million a year. Aguilar looks like an overpay. Fine. Um, the tight end contracts, maybe not great value, but they're obviously are proving to be tremendously useful to them. Judon, best signing. Uh, and then the drafts, Jones, Barmore, Ramondre Stevenson, like, shit, kind of crushed it. Yeah, if you, if you have the best free agent signing and the offensive rookie of the year, that, that yeah. kind of should be the end of the discussion there. And if you do all that after, you know, a Hall of Famer walks out of your team and the whole thing should collapse, that's just how it usually goes. And for them to have turned it around this fast, and, you know, they weren't even that bad last year. The COVID opt-outs really hurt them. The number of COVID opt-outs they got back this year is the, the highest in the league, I think. Um, just what they've built, if you just go position group by position group, they have... Uh, what uh probably three of the best in the league in terms of uh, linebacker versatility pass rush group offensive line then he's got the best young rookie quarterback and he's hit on the skill position guys he overpaid for damn it it's as good a resume as anyone all right it should be belichick you convinced me so in summary can can he win the can he win the exact coach double no i i i think i actually think if i had to choose between the two exec of the year makes more sense um especially with lafleur I, I feel like it's going to be lafleur kingsbury on the uh, for coach of the year but uh he could he really this would be the year all right let's finish as always I don't, why did i sound so negative there i was like i sounded so deflated um let's wrap as always with uh, dinks and dunks and now it's time for Dinks and Dunks. I'm getting paid for this, right? Dinks and Dunks are a part of ESPN Nation, brought to you by Dr. Pepper. College football is back, and so are the fans. Return to glory with Fansville by Dr. Pepper, the one fans deserve. Ollie, four questions from me, one from Lenny. Patriots, Bills is Monday Night Football. Who you got? <laughs> I think I'll just take the Patriots. I don't trust that Bills defensive front. Me neither. There's just something about it. I don't like how they... I just think part of it is fraudulent schematically. 
um, and that they just have players playing at such an extreme level that I'm not sure can um, sustain against good teams who really decide to put massive bodies yeah. in the trenches and say we're going to add extra bodies in there. I think getting Starlo Tulele back for this game is massive. They also get John Feliciano and Spencer Brown back, also massive. And if they had Trey White, I might be tempted to say Buffalo uh, because you can see, talking about coaches making in-game, in-season adjustments, you can see Dable trying to figure out the two I think, and and I think making a concerted effort last week. And um, but I also think Bill Belichick is going to have something evil planned for this team. And yeah, I for the offense rather. And I think on the other, I think the Bills' defense, it's it's it, they don't just don't match up great with this Patriots' offense. Uh, even though I I do think they're a good defense, but I just think matchup wise, it's not great for them. All right, second question. Broncos Chiefs is the uh, is the Sunday night game. I think this is sneaky good. Um, do you think we get good Patrick Mahomes or bad Patrick Mahomes? Well, this is the big test, right? Everyone's been running the Fangio stuff at him. Now he gets to see Fangio. Um, I think we get good Patrick Mahomes. I, I'm all in on the Chiefs from here on out now. Really? Um, I know it hasn't been quite as slick as maybe some of the scoreline suggests they got quite fortunate in some of the matchups um but I, I just look around the rest of the afc and as much as i, I like the patriots i yeah i just think that the the more things will click down the stretch here um i i would just if my if i'm buying the fact that i get those five linemen and he's at least upright I just think at some point they have to figure this out. I mean, I remember writing about the too high stuff when it was the midpoint of people kind of freaking out about the too high stuff. And I know the numbers are terrible and then he played really bad for about a three week stretch there. But in a lot of those early ones where some of those too high numbers comes in, including the Bills game, the guys were wide open. If you go for the Washington game, Tyree Killer sat in the mid hole open four times in the game and Mahomes just misses him. Yeah. I, I just can't imagine that will be sustainable. For 17 but, games where he decides, I won't throw Tyreek right. Hill's way it's, in the middle It's of the about uh, not ability, but will. <laughs> or, yes. yeah, like, it's there. It's been there. Um, I, my concern for the Chiefs in this was actually on the other side of the ball. I think the, the Broncos and Javante Williams and their big bodies present a problem for a Chiefs defense that has admittedly played much better, right? But I think the Broncos could potentially really bully them uh, on offense. So I think it should be a really good game. Um, the, uh, sorry. You know what? I said that was the best game. It is a good game. But I think Chargers-Bengals is really fun because it's the Burrow-Herbert referendum game. Who do you think will play better? Who will play better? I mean, Justin Herbert is being put into such a rough spot <laughs> that we're asking him an awful lot for him to overcome what has been built around him which is so frustrating because early in the year i remember when i, I first came on here it was like what well, the struggle they built was so interesting was let's do all the Bree stuff and then we'll have some of the justin herbert stuff which is a wonderful marriage of, of two different schematic styles and then as the season got along they've said less and less of the justin herbert stuff which is just mind-boggling it's like no more and more of the justin herbert stuff as the season goes along they've, they've so neutered him down the field every week that the, the 20 r plus pass attempts have just fallen and fallen um so i imagine I imagine Burrow plays slightly better, um, but I, I do like the Chargers in that game. You do? You like the Chargers in that game? Yes. Speaking of teams, I can't stop to run. Um, I am having a lot of trouble with this game. 
I find this Chargers defense really disheartening to watch right now. Ooh. I actually, you know what? I need to really check the injury report because they've obviously been dealing with some injuries on that side of the ball. Um, yeah, that's, that's that one might go down to the wire for me. I don't know. Question four: Cowboys Saints is Thursday night football. Saints defense has been, as you said, rather diabolical. We're gonna get good Dak. Oh, Amari Cooper. It looks like he's gonna play, which is enormous. Yeah, I. I... As much as I like that Saints defense, I, if Amari is healthy and you can put CD Lamb in the slot, it's kind of a wrap for everyone. Yeah. There, there is no, there's no fun, creative thing you can do. They have better players than you. Their quarterback is basically playing like Peyton Manning. A, there is no, there is no workaround to that as long as he's upright and he has one of the best offensive lines in the league. So, and those guys are there. Yes. <laughs> Turns out you can't take out two of the three best the, the team's wide receivers and expect them to look the same. Um, although maybe I had that expectation at one point and that's on me. All right. Last question as always comes from Lenny. Uh, Lenny saw that back in the spring, uh, you put out a list of the best NFL analysts and, um, well, you didn't have him on the list. You had me, but not him. So Lenny put out his own list and he wants you to know that you are ranked 67 on his list and wants to know how, how you wow. feel about that. It's pretty high. I'm quite proud. Yeah, he. I think he thought he was being funny. Like that would be like a high high enough number, but actually, like it's it doesn't really work. He should have been like 200 or something. That that list was definitive, and that was a way for me to use the resources of the Guardian to one, a very prestigious British newspaper, I should say, for the US audience, mm-hmm. um, to one bully Billy Gill into continuing the useless sound montage over on the Levitard show and to just write nice words about Stephen A. Smith on a, on a large platform because, you know, he takes a ton of stuff. And uh, I think sometimes you got to appreciate that the Stephen A. of it all. And so I was able to slide that. Where did he rank? Uh, I think he was 10th. I was trying to be realistic. 